Hey everyone, this is Cassius Felicella and you're listening to Homeroom, a podcast where we interview up-and-coming founders running some of the most innovative technology companies in the world. My guest today is Jane Pointer, the co-founder and co-CEO of Space Perspective. If you ever wanted to go to space, you now can in style. Space Perspective is the world's first luxury spaceflight experience company. It's a six-hour journey in a pressurized capsule equipped with a luxury bar, bathroom, and high-speed internet. Their company has been featured in Forbes, Newsweek, CNN, Fox Business, and now Jane is here on the Homeroom Podcast. I was super excited for this conversation, so without further ado, let's jump into the episode. It's a pleasure to meet you. Like I said, I'm very grateful for this because of how busy you are and the stuff that you're actually doing. I, I think I have a bit of an idea, but like, were you the cool kid? Were you the nerdy kid? When did you know that you actually wanted to get into space exploration, space tourism? When did these kinds of clicks take place along the way? I think it would be awesome for you to talk about that. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I certainly didn't uh, uh, get thrust out of the womb knowing that I was wanting to go to space or that I even thought I could go to space. So I was one of those kids who at night would hide under my blanket with science fiction. So at that time I read Isaac Asimov and I had my torch, as we call it in England, reading my Isaac Asimov, sort of letting my imagination and fancy about the future run wild. And it really did capture my imagination, but it never occurred to me that I'd be able to get involved in space. And, you know, it wasn't until much later that, that I really got directly involved in space, particularly through the Biosphere 2 project. Um, but it was a long journey to there. Uh, you know, I grew up seeing people doing incredible things. So I, I would say that I was very lucky in that regard. So I grew up in southern England where we sailed and I knew people uh, who had sailed around the world single-handedly. I knew the f woman who sailed across the Atlantic single-handedly, the first woman to sail across the Atlantic single-handedly. So I saw these people doing kind of outrageous things and just doing it like it was normal. And so it showed me that one can be so much more than you can possibly imagine you can be. That's really cool. Were your parents engineers or involved in space? Or was that something that may have triggered the passion and the interest even more? Like you wanted to do something different. You wanted to be your own person. No, my father was a, an entrepreneur. Um, my, you know, my mother is a homemaker. My father's an entrepreneur. Um, you know, one of his early companies, which sounds kind of absurd now, but if you put it back in the sort of the annals of time, uh, his company designed, developed, innovated, designed, and commercialized the first machine to put white lines down the middle of the road, which is pretty awesome. So I remember clearly as a, as a small kid seeing these guys in the middle of the road with their can of paint and a and a paintbrush stuck on the end of a broomstick is what it looked like going down the road. Well, pretty soon there were actually machines going down the road. So, you know, that was that was pretty cool. So so my dad was an entrepreneur, which is uh, probably why I am also an entrepreneur. I'm a space entrepreneur. 
That's amazing. What would you, you're in Florida now. What would you say is the biggest difference between the UK and the US? <laughs> oh my gosh, where to begin? We have really big skies. This is here. a long question. Yeah, that is like a really big question. Um, okay, look, Let, let's just put it down to its bare basics. So here I am on the Space Coast in Florida. I just got done saying, you know, growing up in England, it didn't really occur to me that I could really get involved in space. <clears throat> now, I walk out on my balcony in the morning and watch a rocket launch. Or I walk out of my office. Oh, look, there's about to be a rocket launch. Come on, everyone, let's pop outside. And so we run outside, we watch the launch, and we run back in. It's all just part of our day. I love getting stuck in a traffic jam behind a SpaceX booster. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> That's I awesome. Mean, it's just amazing. What are some other differences? What are other differences? Well, I do now live by the beach, which is where I used to live in England. Look, I don't know that I could be doing what I'm doing now with Space Perspective, a space travel company that's this incredibly innovative company that's venture-backed. I don't think I could do that in England. It would be very tough. You know, America is, it's very much based on innovation and taking risks and financing risk. You know, understood risk, but still, it's about understanding the opportunities and also taking some risks. And, and that is something that is, is in the American DNA. What would you say is something that you miss about home? Because I live in San Jose now. I'm originally from Canada. And one of the things that I kind of notice is that people are just more passively polite in Canada. Like they hold open a door for you. They, they say, hi, good morning, stuff like that. Not to suggest that doesn't exist in the U.S., but I feel like those kinds of things are, they're a little less evident or prevalent. Well, so I guess I more think about where I am now. And I try to go back to England once a year. But I spend most of my life here in America, right? I mean, I haven't lived in England for over 30 years. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Please continue. I think I interrupted. No, no, that's it. I mean, I literally, I am completely American these days. I have lived here much to my mother's chagrin. <laughs> I even speak like an American sometimes. So <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, when did, let's go back to kind of growing up and when did you kind of see... When did you kind of see that opportunity, that space tourism, space exploration, it could be an option for you? And then I would love for you to talk about what Space Perspective actually does, because I saw you on the Bay Area News. My mother and I were having breakfast, and I said, I'm talking to that person next week. And she said, her exact quote was, holy shit, how does that exist? <laughs> so, I... Yeah, so, so I, I have been lucky enough to have been involved in incredibly ambitious programs my entire adult life. So uh, one of the first things I was lucky enough to do was, was go on a research boat, and it was a sailing boat, and I sailed from Sri Lanka across the Indian Ocean and up the Red Sea at walking pace. And if you can imagine. So it was a research boat, and as it turned out, was training and the part of the selection process to go into a project called Biosphere 2. 
the biosphere two was really my first foray into space and it is still in existence today. It is operated by the University of Arizona. Today, they use it mostly for understanding how our planetary biosphere works. At the time when I was involved on the design team, uh, and then I lived inside it for two whole years, it was very focused on the space mission, being a prototype space base. Can you use biological systems derived from how our planetary biosphere works can you seal that in a container that's tighter than the International Space Station and have it persist and be a space station on somewhere like Mars someday? So I was incredibly lucky to be involved in that. Uh, one of the seminal experiences I had while I was in the biosphere with, eight other, with seven other people for those two years and 20 minutes um, was that of really the visceral experience of being part of my biosphere, sort of really understanding it as a finite system. So I knew moment to moment where all my oxygen was coming from, that my CO2 that I was breathing out was going into all the sweet potatoes we were growing, that we were then eating, and then we were turning orange because we were eating so many sweet potatoes. So we were becoming part of sweet potato. So, you know, it was this incredible exchange. And then I could see the edges of our world, the glass and steel structure of our world. And I knew that all we had inside that biosphere was all we had. And it made me feel very personally attached to our biosphere. Like anything happened to our biosphere, that became very personal. So now go, go and talk to astronauts and hear them talk about their experience of seeing Earth in space. It's a very similar experience. It's from a, from a bit of a different perspective, but it, the net result is very similar. They see the edges of, the, of our world. They see that iconic thin blue line, that paper thin blue line of our atmosphere that really is the edge of our world. And beyond it is this black void of space. And they then attach very deeply to planet Earth and the human family that inhabits it. And for them, it also becomes very personal what happens to our planet. So it's a very similar experience. And so when I was in, inside Biosphere 2, um, one of the other people that was in there was Tabor McCallum, who has been my 30-plus-year partner in life and in all the businesses that we've done. And it was then that we said, oh, we should. everybody should go to space. Let's all go to space. Uh, and that's been a journey that we've been on ever since. Talk about what Space Perspective does as well, because I feel like for people who aren't aware of it, it's going to blow their mind. <laughs> yeah. So in all those intervening years, we were looking for ways to take people to space that, you know, weren't how you normally think of space travel, right? So space travel, I think we normally think of as high G-forces, rockets, getting pushed back in your chair and the skin being pushed off your face and, you know, wearing spacesuits and training and the right stuff, which is awesome and very exciting. It's just not necessarily for everyone. So when Tabor was a kid, his father, who was an astrophysicist, flew enormous telescopes under these giant balloons that took the telescope up 
to, in that instance, discover the black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. So these balloons carry, in that case, instruments above the atmosphere. So you're completely outside the atmosphere. And it's very gentle. And so we took that concept and said, well, instead of taking a telescope, let's take a very comfortable capsule for people. And so Space Perspective is about taking people to space in this very gentle, very accessible way where initially eight customers and a pilot step into this very comfortable space lounge that is then lifted aloft by this space balloon that's the size of a football stadium. And you go up to space. It takes you a couple of hours to get to space. Then you float on top of the atmosphere and then come back down under the balloon and you splash down. There's a ship waiting there. Pick up the capsule, put it on board. Everybody gets onto the ship and everybody comes ashore. So it's a, it's a space travel that is completely reimagined so that we can all go. If you can get onto a commercial flight, you can get onto Spaceship Neptune, as we call the vehicle. And it's all zero emissions and carbon neutral. And for people listening, it literally looks like the lobby of the Four Seasons. It's incredibly beautiful. And I, I'm curious to know, what stage are you, is your team at? Like, can I ride on this thing in a couple months, a couple years? What, when is it going to be available? Yeah, a couple of years. But before we get to that, let me just say, do not forget that Spaceship Neptune has a bar and a loo <laughs> and Wi-Fi because every self-respecting spaceship has to have a bar. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Is there any concern? Well, there's certainly concerns about safety, but how have you exactly marketed this product? Because, I mean, to be honest, Jane, I want to do it, but I don't know if I want to be the first person to actually step on the thing. Yeah, so we're going to have piles of test flights, right? So the beautiful thing about this vehicle is that we get to fly it many times without putting even a test pilot in it because it can fly itself. So, and then we start to we do a bunch of, of flights without anybody on board. That allows us to really test all the backup systems and the operating envelope of the vehicle in ways that you would never want to do with a human on board which is awesome. Uh, then also the technology itself is super safe. So the balloon is a similar kind of balloon to the one that NASA, ESA, our team also has flown over a thousand times. Uh, so it's very well understood technology. Uh, we go up under the balloon and down under the balloon to that no point during the flight do you transition from one kind of flight system to another kind of flight system, which is completely different from any other spacecraft. And any time you transition like that, you can help it, but it's complexity, so you have risk in that complexity. So we've eliminated all that. So uh, we still need a backup system. So between the balloon and the capsule is a system of parachutes that is similar to the kind of parachute you would see on a on a Crew Dragon re-entry. And it's the kind of parachute system that also has been flown over a thousand times from space and the altitude that we're going to, and it has never failed. So our primary and our backup system, super safe. That's, that's really cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a quote from Paul Graham. I'm sure you know that name. He was the guy that, well, one of the people that started Y Combinator. And he said, startups are a lot like skiing in the sense that they're counterintuitive. Because typically in most sports to stop, you would lean back. 
but lean back on skis and you fly down the hill out of control. So with that kind of analogy in mind, in your experience of building space perspective and the other things that you've worked on, what is something counterintuitive? Well, so here's what I would say about space ballooning. It looks so simple. How hard could it be? It's a bag of gas for heaven's sake. Oh no. Oh, it is incredibly complex. You have so, I mean, the physics of it is kind of crazy and it's counterintuitive because it's lighter than air. We usually used to thinking of things that are heavier than air and we're dealing with a system that's lighter than air. So it's now buoyancy control, which is a completely different way of thinking than when you're thinking about either rockets or aviation or anything like that. It's just, it's just the opposite way of thinking. What, what are some of the people that you would recruit for these kinds of things? Like, are they thermal engineers? Are they plasma physicists? Like, I, I really don't know. Like, who do you kind of look for? What kind of talent do you seek when it comes to this kind of thing? So we are one of the only, if not the only, uh, space company that is completely consumer-facing. So that means we have, of course, an incredible engineering team, an incredible operations team, but then we also have an incredible marketing team. So, you know, we have experience uh, on hand that, yes, sure, thermal engineers, balloon engineers. The problem is you can't go to school to become a balloon engineer. You can go to school to become a rocket scientist, but not a balloon engineer. So, so physics is not a bad background for that. Uh, you know, avionics, uh, you know, uh, electrical engineering, you know, all of the kind of normal things that you would think about uh, that goes into building something like a spacecraft, uh, life support systems, of course, we have to control the humidity, the CO2, the oxygen, all of that. Um, and then, uh, you know, on, on the, what I call the experience side of the team, we also have an executive producer who is producing our content and incredible videos and social and, you know, all, all of those things that go into making a sophisticated sales and marketing organization. And then we also have people that are responsible for our explorers, as we call our customers, uh, not only during the flight. But from now, leading up to the flight, you know, as I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, we're a couple of years away from, from flying. And that's probably going to be the same for people most of the time. And so we're going to have a whole journey between now and when they fly. So we also have people on board who are working out those experiences, like from, from the luxury travel industry, for example. And one other thing I wanted to ask about was your experience at Worldview before transitioning to space perspective. What kind of triggered that shift? And then maybe you could talk about some of the things that are different, the same. I would love to go to both of those. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So, so if I go one step before Worldview, we go to Paragon. So whilst Tabor and I were in the biosphere, we actually started a company with an aerospace engineer, Grant Anderson, called Paragon Space Development Corporation. And the idea with that company is that it was going to be the company that was going to do the life support system on Mars. That was the North Star, right? Uh, well, 
30, yeah, 30 years on, it now has life support system technologies on every human spacecraft in operation by Americans and soon going, it's on Artemis and going to the moon. One of the projects we did there was called Stratex. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago was the 10 year anniversary of Red Bull Stratos. And I imagine that you saw that at some point you've seen Felix Baumgartner stepping out of the capsule into the void. It was, uh, yeah, exciting, shall we say. It was exciting to watch. Well, two years later, our team broke the Red Bull Stratos record when we took Google executive Alan Eustace up to space. Felix went to 128,000 feet. We took Alan up to 136,000 feet. So imagine he's in a spacesuit, just hanging from the balloon. We took him up, took about two hours to get up there. And at 136,000 feet, we intentionally dropped him. Jeez. He free <laughs> fell for almost five minutes. He did not spin because our team came up with some really innovative ways to stop him from, from spinning, which was great. Uh, he then broke the speed of sound. And he came, he opened his parachute at 12,000 feet and came in for a safe landing. So whilst we had already started Worldview at that time, but whilst we were doing the, the Stratex flight, we discovered some things about the way the atmosphere is between the troposphere and the stratosphere, which is technically the part of the atmosphere that we're going through, that have turbulence. And so if you have very tight buoyancy control, very tight altitude control, you can essentially steer your balloon. And it became very apparent we had an incredible opportunity that we had to grab. And so we, the team designed the Stratolite, which is this really cool system that does very accurate buoyancy control, altitude control, and can stay on station over an area of interest. So that's what we did. We built that business, and it is really useful for remote communications and remote sensing. Not really my passion, not really my life's experience. It was fascinating, incredibly valuable for people on the ground that we were able to help, but not really our thing. So we brought in new management, uh, whose thing it really is, uh, who'd had an entire career in remote sensing. And then Tabor and I uh, started Space Perspective to be this space travel company. And one other thing that I wanted to ask about was regulation. I'm always curious to know the technical challenge is so hard, but then there's the regulatory challenge. I'm not too sure if you would go through, given that it's a consumer product, like would you go through the FAA? Are there other kinds of government bodies that you need to kind of convince and get them on your side. I would love for you to talk about that as well. Yeah. So we're regulated by the FAA's Office of Commercial Space Transportation, which is awesome. So we're regulated just like Virgin Galactic, Blue Origin, SpaceX. Uh, and that's a pretty well understood regulatory regime. Uh, it's, you know, we have to go through a regulatory and licensing process uh, but it's fairly transparent. And so we don't foresee any issues with that. Final question. We're approaching time. And again, thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. What is something that you're passionate about that you don't get asked about a lot because startups are so all consuming and there's the other side of life that maybe people forget about sometimes. So I'm a big diver. 
Uh, and I'm, you know, I've, I've been really lucky to dive all over the world. I've dived on the Galapagos with whale sharks. Oh, unbelievable animals. Um, I dived a long time ago in the Red Sea and it was spectacular. I have dived more recently in places that have been very badly damaged either by our pollution of the area or by climate change. And so I am passionate about diving and being out in nature. I'm also passionate about sustainability and getting our carbon footprints under control, which is why Space Perspective is a carbon neutral company. That's awesome. Okay, actually, I have one more final question. Let's say we're in front of an audience right now. It's a lecture or it's a keynote speech. Someone 18 raises their hand and asks, what advice would you give to me? What would you say to them? Flex your persistence muscle. Literally, that's what I would say because uh, doing something bold is hard. And being persistent is 90% of what it takes to get there, wherever there is for you. And being persistent doesn't always come naturally. You have to work it like a muscle. I think that's amazing. Okay, we'll leave it here. We have a minute and a half to spare. But Jane, thank you so, so much for doing this. This was awesome. Fun. Thank you. Okay, so this concludes our conversation with Jane Pointer, the co-founder and co-CEO of Space Perspective. If you like this episode, be sure to give it a download as well as a rating and review wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.